Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, November 15th, 2018. And this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today, we are reading from the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and we're in the chapter of Vision for You. We are on page 157, starting with the fifth paragraph, The Man in the Bed, and we are reading through two paragraphs ending with To Laugh About That I Can See, and comments on both paragraphs. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, excuse me, the 12 Steps, Rosie, the 12 Traditions, Elena A.M., and readers of the text are Edini M, Hoodie R, and Terry N. The share ID for Wednesday, November 14, is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time 12181, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time 12182. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Roz G. to read the 12 steps of OA. Roz? Good morning. This is Roz G., compulsive overeater. Step one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Ross. I'll now ask Elena A.M. to please read the 12 traditions. Elena? Good morning. My name is Elena A.M. I'm from Pennsylvania, and uh, I'm a compulsive I'm a reader. Here are the 12 traditions of various readers anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We may always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for this service opportunity, and I pass. Thanks, Elena. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. <clears throat> there is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, please let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book um, in the chapter, A Vision for You. We are on page 157, starting with the fifth paragraph, The Man in the Bed. We're reading through two paragraphs, ending with To Laugh About That I Can See, comments on both. And we are going to now ask Edini M. to please begin reading. Edini, please go ahead. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M., and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God, 
always giving credit where credit is due. The man in the bed was told of the acute poisoning from which he suffered, how it deteriorates the body of an alcoholic and warps his mind. There was much talk about the mental state preceding the first drink. Yes, that's me, said the sick man. The very image. You fellows know your stuff all right, but I don't see what good will do. You fellows are somebody. I was once but I'm a nobody now. From what you tell me, I know more than ever. I can't stop. At this, both the visitors burst into a laugh, said the future fellow anonymous. Damn little to laugh about that, I can see. So those in the rooms who are still suffering from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, can identify with one story who is recovered. It is this identification that gives us strength and hope. To hear your story come out of someone else's mouth is an automatic connection that we feel, a pull and a sense of relief that I am not the only one. When recovered people share the allergy of the body, that phenomenon of craving, once we start, we cannot stop. Bingo! That's my story. Identifying that even when we stop, we cannot stay stopped because of the obsession of the mind has reared its head. I took that first bite and it devoured me right back, chewing me up and spitting me out. Repeating this cycle... Over and over and over, again and again, for how much longer? That mental twist was a disconnect in my brain, and I can't remember how badly I got burned each and every time I picked up that first bite. At first, it was hard for me to believe that I, too, can be set free from this bondage of self. It only seemed hopeless for me until I saw hope and seemed hopeless for my fellows, a place of connection with God and others. Once reaching rock bottom, the gift of desperation is at hand, that no doctor or friend, no religious figure can help except a recovered fellow. To see once lost and now found because of a personality change, Laughter comes out of our hearts because we are living in the solution. We are happy, joyous, and free because we know that there is hope, that you too will see hope and seemed hopeless just as we did. Once admitting we are powerless and pick up the spiritual toolkit and work the steps, we are blessed with the gift of a spiritual awakening, a softening of the heart, a renewing of the mind. We see life with spiritual eyes, and it's a pure joy and a responsibility to pass this gift on to others as it was so freely giving to us. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Edini. And before I take down names in black and white, because I have a black pen and white paper, we are on page 157. We are. We just read the fifth paragraph, 
starting with the man in the bed through two paragraphs ending with to laugh about that I can see and comments on both. So now I'm going to write your names down as fast as I can. Ready, go. <laughs> Harlan G. Harlan. Melissa Beth. G. Melissa. Wow. Beth W. Beth W. Larry. Anybody else? Got a quiet group today. I've got Harlan, Melissa, Beth W., Larry K. One last opportunity to throw your hat in. Rowanne M. Rowanne M. And Tina will end there. All right. So our lineup is Harlan G., Melissa C., Beth W., Larry K., Leanne M., and Tina S. And if everyone who's not Harlan G. would kindly mute their phones, we'll get started. Harlan, good morning. Good morning, Katie. I want to thank you for your service, and I also want to thank Gabriella for lending you for lending us you. Is that correct? Lending us you? Yeah. For the morning, so you could do service, and um, Team Thursday for making this magnificent meeting possible. Bill Dotson is the man in the bed, and Bill Wilson and Bob Smith, Dr. Bob, are the people that are the friends. And one of the things that we see in Overeaters Anonymous over and over and over again is an expression. And the expression is, I just want to be another bozo on the bus. Well, how did that expression get started? Where, where, where does that come from? What is that? One of the jobs of the ego is to make me different. It's to make me different. My ego wants to make me right. It wants to make me feel good right now. And it wants to make me different. So let's take a look at this sentence here. It says, you fellows, are, I don't see what good it'll do. You fellows are somebody I was once but I'm a nobody now. From what you tell me, I know more than ever I can't stop. In other words, his ego is telling him that even though these two gentlemen have stopped drinking, one has stopped since December the 14th of the previous year, so he has about six months, six and a half months of sobriety, and the other one has a couple of weeks of sobriety. He got sober on the 10th of June, and this is June the 26th. At this, both the visitors burst into a laugh, knowing that they were indeed sober and that this would work if he would work it, said the future fellow anonymous, damn little laugh about that I can see. We're going to see tomorrow and next week, we're going to see how they unfold their solution to this problem. But for right now, what he is seeing is he is seeing two men who he is now convinced are as afflicted as he with this illness. And what is this illness? This illness is permanent. It is progressive. It is fatal. I'll say that again. It is permanent. There's no cure for it. We have relief through the steps. We don't have a cure. Permanent, progressive, and fatal. It is a twist of the mind brought about by the buildup of emotions and an allergy of the body brought about by the ingestion of certain foods, certain ingredients in foods that will trigger a response that is biological as gravity, that we are going to eat more than we intended. Now, there's nothing we can do about the allergy except stop ingesting those foods. The only thing we can do about the twist of the mind is to have a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps so that the urge to eat is not there 
because our minds already feel better. The buildup of emotions is negated and we already feel better and the brain doesn't see the need to, to drink or to eat food in that way so as to kill us. We have a spiritual Time, answer to this, to this situation. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Harlan G. We will now have Melissa C. followed by Beth W. And Rowan M., I did get you after Tina S., just FYI. So, Melissa, please go ahead. Hi. Thank you so much, Katie, for your service. Thank you, everybody. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in freezing cold New York. Um, not, in, not in warm Arizona. I'm a little jealous. Um, you know, I'm thinking, like, why Why were they laughing, you know, like why were they full of smiles and laughter? And um, and I think I really know because, um, you know, it's it really joyful and exciting when you see not somebody who's like suffering and in terrible pain. I'm not like a sadist. But when somebody has taken step one, when someone really has said, okay, I, I'm a mess, I'm screwed, yeah, I have this, I have what you have, I do what you do, um, I, I'm hopeless. And, you know, why am I excited um, when I hear that? Because I know, like, the hardest step, in my opinion, has just been taken. And, you know, it's step one um, gets taken, I think, outside of the room. You know, it's it's taken every time you try to... Um, use some power, choice, and control and find you can't. And so, you know, when I go to a meeting, um, and I was really blessed this past weekend, I was at a face-to-face meeting, and there were um, three new people, three newcomers, two of which had never um, been in an OA meeting before, and they looked hopeless. And it was, you know, it's exciting because I know that that we really have the answer, that I at one time felt that um, I was a nobody, that I had everything and I was losing it all and I lost it all and that I could not stop. And that, that's like, that's where it all begins. You know, it, it, our recovery begins when we realize we can't do it on our own and that there is an answer here. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. We will now have Beth W. followed by Larry K. Beth W., please go ahead. Hi. Thank you, Katie, for your service. This is Beth W. from North Dakota. Um, I really was compelled to share this morning, and I don't share very often at all. So um, the last sentence of the prior paragraph that we talked about yesterday, that's me, that's me, I drink like that. Um, And then he went on to say, yes, that's me, said the sick man, the very image. I um, I was first um, in, invited to an OA face-to-face meeting probably a couple of years ago, and I just could not bring myself to go to a meeting. I could not, um, I just couldn't, I wasn't there yet, and I, I knew I needed it, and I was afraid um, to admit that I needed this um, and that I was one of, um, one of us. I just couldn't do it. Um, And then I finally hit bottom um, after moving from Minnesota to North Dakota and um, this progressive disease just took hold. And um, 
I made a phone call after I listened to this meeting for a couple of months, probably. I made a phone call to one of the fellows in this meeting and said, I just don't know what to do. But I, I had listened to all of you talk for, gosh, every day for a couple of months, probably, and realized that you fellows know your stuff all right. And um, so, so grateful that I just was willing to listen, finally, just listen um, and admit that I didn't know everything. And um, that I, because um, I really did feel like a nobody. I just didn't feel like I was anybody. And um, I was holed up in my house in North Dakota. I didn't really know anybody here. I felt completely alone. Um, but there were voices on this line that um, that I could listen to and feel like um, I was one of you. And I'm so grateful for that. So, um, gosh, thanks for being out there. And thank you for um, helping me feel like I'm part of and um, not so alone. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Beth. And we'll now have Larry K. followed by Leanne M. Larry, please go ahead. Thanks, Katie. Thank you for your service. Um, starting my timer there. You know, they, we, we read, yeah, there wasn't much to laugh about. Um, there was much talk about <clears throat> the mental state preceding the first drink. You know, in the chapter more about alcoholism, we learn a bit more about the sort of thinking that dominates our minds before we pick up the, you know, the needle, the food, the drink, what differences it make, right? We're, we're, we have this alcoholic mind. And see, we're like the mad scientist uh, repeating again and again that, you know, that desperate experiment of, of taking the first bite, may, you know, maybe it won't burn me this time. And I keep trying, you know, and I'm telling you honestly that I had no thought of eating that Hershey bar or whatever it was until I did. And when the thought popped into my head, you know what it did? It steamrolled me. <clears throat> it just steamrolled me so that all other thoughts became secondary to that thought. And and they all other thoughts were absolutely crowded out. So, you know, tell me, you know, how was Jim's cognition, Jim and more about alcoholism, that cognition to reward himself with some whiskey in his milk, how, how is that any different than ours to reward ourselves with whatever it is, right? After we've been good all week, because, you know, Jim, the alcoholic was, was off and running as soon as he took the first drink, just like, the person on the line this morning will be off and running if and when they pick up. See, there's zero difference to someone with the untreated condition. Same state of mind, same alcoholic mind. You know, the, I, I think of the untreated diabetic at certain times will feel fatigued. At certain times, the untreated diabetic will experience blurry vision. And the untreated person with clinical depression at certain times won't be able to get out of bed. I know what that's like. And they'll often self-medicate at certain times. Well, the untreated compulsive overeater at certain times has no mental defense from taking the first bite. We've lost the ability to control our eating. And we will never, ever, ever self-manufacture control, ever. It's progressive. In other words, it will get worse, never better. Now, saying that, I know that on the line this morning, it's more than likely there's someone who will try to prove that they are, you know, the living, breathing exception to the rule. I was that person and not a compulsive reader. And to you, I tip my cap because I spent most of my adult life trying to do the very same thing. 
And let me tell you, I had a lot of fight in me. There's some fight in this guy to prove that. And at some point, I simply surrendered to the idea that if I were ever to access a mental defense, it would come by subjecting myself to this practical program of action. And when I did, irrespective of what I thought of the steps, didn't matter, my higher power would come, would come sprinting towards me. And there is my timer. And that higher power, when I was willing, the spiritual pathway became unblocked. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And actually, so my ears were broken today. <clears throat> what a surprise. Roanne M., we are now going to have you share because there's no Leanne M. So if Roanne M. would please share for three minutes, I'd love it. Good morning, Roanne. Hi. Good morning, Katie. This is Roanne M. in Manhattan. Um, I really love these paragraphs. I relate to them a lot. Um, you know, the man is in this bed. He's in a lot of pain. He's hit a bottom. They talk about suffering. They talk about the, the deterioration of the body and the mind being warped. And, you know, that's a twofold illness. The allergy of the body, the, the mental twist. And your body really does deteriorate. After the, the abuse that I put my body through, it really does take a toll. Um, and the, the lies that I tell myself when I'm in my disease, uh, my mind is not sane. Uh, I do very much have a warped mind. Um, and the mental state preceding the first drink you know, I'm drunk before I pick up the first bite. I've already made a decision that I'm going to pick up, that I feel like there's no other options, that eating is the, the only option for me, that drinking is the only option for me. And that's obviously not true. There are other options. There is a solution that we have today. And the man is saying, yes, that's me. He's relating to these men. He identifies with them. And um, he's saying that he, uh, he's like, I know more than, I, than ever, but I can't stop. Self-knowledge avails us nothing. The big book tells us that many times. We can know everything. I'm sure there's many of us that are like, that are, could be nutritionists. I could be a nutritionist. It doesn't matter how much I know. It doesn't matter how many times I binged over and over and over again. And I told myself, I'm not going to do it again. And I knew my triggers. And then it would happen again. And I would have this knowledge and I would have this logic. But this disease is not logical. All logic, all honesty goes straight out the window. And the knowledge that we have doesn't matter. It doesn't save us. And I, and I speak from experience. I know quite a bit. I consider myself a smart person. And it doesn't matter how much I know, it will not save me when I'm in the throes of this disease. And uh, it doesn't matter who we are in life. Um, it just matters if we're willing to do the work. Am I willing to wake up every morning and pray and meditate? Am I'm I willing? Clean. 
am I willing to do the work to stay in a state of uh, recovery? And that's all I got. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Marianne. And we will now have Tina S. Tina, good morning. Good morning, Katie. Thanks so much for your service. Tina S. Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Wow, some great stuff in two small paragraphs. You know, wonderful. You know, and I too, you know, I just keep nodding my head. Yeah, that's me. That's me also. And, you know, the the good news is that I can relate to Bill Dotson in the bed being desperate and what is there to laugh about. And then I can also relate to Bill and Bob through the spiritual journey of what there is to laugh about today. You know, I love the first reader, and she shared the whole the whole deal, the spiritual journey, you know, that I get here broken and uh, defeated, and, and I surrender. And then I, then I have the opportunity to be happy, joyous, and free. And it says on page 131, I think it's the page, it says, we are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. So let me just tell you, if you're not, because there was a time, and I was in the rooms, and I was not, you know, so something different had to happen and the difference was that I had to have a spiritual awakening through the process of the 12 steps and then I have an opportunity to be happy joyous and free you know no matter what happens in my life you know because I can participate I participate in my life today so that, that I take responsibility you know for what's going on and uh, and things get done then you know, I love that it was talked about the other day. You know, if I want something different, I have to do something different. I always want somebody else to do it for me. You know, the good news is that I do it for myself and that I get that different today and that I have an opportunity to be among people that get that different and that are happy, joyous, and free, and we share it with others and they share it with me and how grateful I am to be a part of that group. And, uh, you know, and through the experience and to have a power greater than myself that shows me one day at a time that this can be possible and that it is possible. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Great stuff. Thank you, Tina. Okay, before we take our next round of um, shares, I just want everyone to know that we are on page 157, the chapter, A Vision for You. We are starting with the fifth paragraph, um, The Man in the Bed. We are reading through two paragraphs ending with to laugh about that I can see. Comments are welcome on both, and I will now write as fast as I can. Please go ahead. You should be. Ross M. Okay, got you. Yep. Aaron M. Aaron from North. Yep, I got you, Aaron. But there was someone before you. Who was that? I thought I heard a name. I have Lisa B., Russ M., and then there was another person, and then Aaron. What is that? Ginger C. Lauren N., Ginger C. Devorah M. Is it Devorah? Hang on. Devorah M. Is it Laura M. Laura. Got it. Okay, I think we're going to stop there. Oh, my goodness. My pen isn't writing. Okay. (laughs) We have Lisa B., Russ M., Lauren N., Aaron M., Ginger C., Laura Maybe M, Laura, you can tell us. Um, and then if there's time, we'll have Sally A. All right, Lisa B, please go ahead. Oh, good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you, Katie, for your service. Um, you know, I was thinking this morning when I was listening to the shares how I was in a meeting yesterday. It was an A meeting, but it's still a 12-step meeting. And how there were miracles in that room. Um, there were people that had suffered such despair and hopelessness and 
um, have experienced this awakened, recovered state. And I, I experienced that same experience on the line here, um, hearing the miracles. And I, and I see it now more and more in the face-to-face OA meetings that I go to. And what I wanted to share about is how uh, the atmosphere of a room can totally change because there's a recovered person in that room. Because that person is now a vessel um, attempting, with God's help, their higher powers help to transmit a message that is grounded in this power that is bigger than all of us. You know, and how it works, it talks about there is one power. May you find that power now. So we all really have this one power. We just get to describe, you know, how we each describe our own higher power. But that was the reason I felt the miraculous atmosphere in that room yesterday, because um they're all vessels, you know, carrying this message. Even when they're not opening their mouth, you feel it coming off of them because there's sanity, there's stability, there's hope, there's peace, there's joy, there's lightness, there's a new way, there's a solution that is coming from them. And that's what I'm seeing in the OA rooms when I do get to go to my face-to-face meetings. Um, Sometimes I'm the only one in there that's recovered, but now more and more I see two, three, four of us in there that are recovered. Because this line, this A Vision for You, which is an OA meeting, it just happens to be a healthy meeting grounded in the solution, the big book, and now people are going out you know, into the world um, and carrying this message and being vessels. But I just wanted to share about the atmosphere that I'm so grateful to be a part of and to be able to bring that atmosphere into a room that is lacking in that atmosphere that desperately needs that atmosphere and that's what he he hears in these gentlemen and you know what in that atmosphere grounded in God there is laughter and there is lightness and not taking myself so seriously so with that I pass thank you thank you Lisa B we will now have Russ M followed by Lauren N Russ please go ahead good morning Katie Thank you for your service. Russ M. Recover, compulsive reader outside of Philly. So I used to be strong for the church, but that won't fix it. You know, my whole life I felt I, I made attempts and I, I was very devoted to my faith and being involved in church. And I had this major conversion in my 20s. And, man, I was sold out for Jesus. Yet I kept eating, and 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 the disease ravaged me over that time. And sometimes I felt like it was it was worse during those during that period of time up until I came into program. And I would pray, man. I, I'd be have a binge, and you know, it's like this says, you know, after a hangover, I'd be on my knees. Lord, you gotta help me with this. I, in all honesty, I didn't realize that this was like a disease. It took me forever to admit that it was a disease. So I didn't realize, really know. I just thought I was a pig, really. I just thought I was a pig that I overate. And I knew I couldn't stop. So, yes, that I've had major, uh, over the years, major spiritual experiences. I, our, our worship team played in front of thousands of people. And that, that energy, that energy of people worshiping together is incredible. But how come Monday morning I'm back in food again? I can never figure that out. Almost like, you know, Lord, what's going on here? It's because I didn't have a spiritual life. You know, I, I, there was a spiritual experience, but I didn't ever, I tried, but the food was getting in the way of my 
my nurturing my relationship with God. And it took me until I got in the program to figure that out because I didn't know what I didn't know, like everybody says. You know, I, I was ignorant of these things. But now I do know. And uh, when I see that, that sentence that, you know, I, I, you know, I just more than ever, I can't stop. You know, I was on the brink before I came in, man, just like everybody else. I'm not saying I'm unique. I'm just saying it was bad. It was pretty bad. And any time I lose hope, whether it's in, in, in my personal situations, relationships, with money, I think of where I was before I came through the door and how God has just restored just that little small thing of eating and how he's restoring the rest of my life through this program. So the newcomer on the line, work the steps as they're, they are in the book and you'll get relief, man. You'll be all right. God will deliver you too. You just got to work these steps. Have a beautiful day. Love you guys. Thank you, Russ. We'll now have Lauren N. followed by Aaron M. Lauren, please go ahead. Hi, Katie. It's Lauren N. Can you hear me? Yep. Wow. Um, this reading spoke to me. The The laughter, the laughter that I heard when I walked into a recovered OA room, and I knew that they weren't laughing at me. They were laughing because they had found recovery. I laugh now today because I've found recovery. All I can say is that thank you all for bringing me to this place of of out of despair because I was a corker. I knew. I knew. I, I, yeah, I was going to pick up and um, thank God for this program. I've learned how not to pick up. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. We'll now have Erin M. followed by Ginger C. Erin, please go ahead. I'm sorry, I was unmuting. Is it my turn? It's Erin. Yep, please go ahead. Oh, okay. Hi, I'm Erin, anorexic and bulimic from north of Boston. And um, I was just thinking of um, of a time that I, um, and I, I, I was once again in an acute care hospital um, on bed rest with my feeding tube, unable to stand or get out of bed. And um, and so the head of my bed was where I couldn't see anything. And I was just going in and out of being, um, you know, conscious. I would, And each time I would wake up, I would ask my roommate, I would say, um, oh, what, what, where are we? And, and uh, what day is it? And wh- what are we doing here? And she said, if you ask me one more, she kept saying to me, if you ask me one more time, I'm going to throw this effing chair right at your head. She was getting really aggravated at me, and so I decided to turn myself so that my head was at the end of the bed, and for uh, entertainment, I would just watch people going by and hang my head, and I saw Recovery Joe. He led the AA meetings going past, and I, I yelled to him, but my voice was really weak. I kept yelling to him, Joe, Joe, and I'd see his head turn toward me and keep going, and then eventually he came in, and he said, um, he pulled a stool up, and he just said, Aaron, uh, my God, what has happened to you? And I said, 
I'm sorry, Joe. I've been I said I've been effing up out there and he said Oh, don't say effing up, Aaron. Say struggling. Say struggling. He said What's happened to you? I said, What do you mean, Joe? He said, You're emaciated. I mean you're barely alive and and I felt I had a, a bracelet on my wrist, bright orange bracelet that said fall risk. And I, I said I felt like all the every single part of me was in so much pain. I only thing I could feel was that bracelet. And I just felt like I was like a death's jaw. And anyway, he said to me, as I, he said, I, I, I can't really talk to you because you're really not coherent. I'll keep coming back. And anyway, um, but his eyes, in his eyes, I mean, I saw a God. It's like um, there was that connection, that eye contact, that connection when you're with one of your own. I mean, um, there was compassion. There was, you know, he is one of me and I am one of him. And anyway, he kept coming back and visiting me. And um, he said to me, I'm going to tell you something, Aaron. Um, he said, I'm going to tell you something, and I want you to remember this. And I'm going to keep checking in with you, and I want you to keep reporting these things to me. I'm going to tell you that someone said something that someone said something important to me when I was getting sober. He said three things. One, keep it green. Be open-minded and be willing to learn. Two, stay close to God. Remember that he's your friend. Keep him very close. And three, the serenity prayer. Say it slow. Each word, one minute. God, think of every, every single word that's, that is, it means God, synonyms, like God, Father, my Creator, Almighty, my love, then grant, bestow upon me, give me, keep going from word to word. Oh, so, and then he said, just keep going over and over that. Anyway, um, I'll end with that, but it continued, and, um, and I just love him to this day, um, and uh, I'll end. Thanks. Thank you, Aaron. We'll now have Ginger C., followed by Laura M. Ginger, please go ahead. Hi, Katie. Good morning, and thank you so much for your service. And I'm going to actually pass my time to Sally A. You know what, Ginger? I uh, I didn't hear what you said. I'm sorry I was muting. What did you say? Oh, I'm just passing my time to Sally A. Okay. So why don't we do this? How about because uh, Laura M was before Sally, so we'll have and we have plenty of time, so we'll not have Ginger share, um, but we'll have Laura M and then we'll go with Sally A. Laura, please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. This is Laura M in Missouri, and what I heard in these paragraphs was a story of identifying in. And I wanted to share my experience of identifying in because, honestly, it was quite a struggle. Um, I first um, started attending OA through this meeting almost a year ago, right about the time that the group was restarting the book. And I, I was pretty sure that I was one of us before I even picked up the phone and started listening. And there was a part of me that became more and more sure as I listened to the book and, and heard the sharings. But there was this other part of me, the disease in me, that kept resisting. And when I listened to the sharings, it seemed like mostly I was hearing the people that weren't like me. You know, I, uh, I would occasionally hear things that sounded like my story, but I would hear a lot of stories that didn't sound like me. And there was this thing in my head going, is this 
oh, you're not, you're not there. That's not you. You're not a real compulsive overeating. And it took me a long time um, to get past that, to understand that that was my disease resisting and my disease was putting up the wall, preventing me from moving forward. And, you know, fortunately I have a couple of close friends who are part of OA and had some time under their belt that I could turn to, you know, people that knew me and that, you know, I could talk to about what I was hearing and how I was processing and what I was feeling because I was on this fence of did I identify or not. And I knew in my heart of hearts that I was a real compulsive overeater, but my mind wasn't hearing that connection. And it just, it took a while. And I just wanted to share that experience because there might be others out there too that, you know, hear this variety of stories, but sometimes the disease puts like a filter in our mind and we only hear what the disease wants to let us hear and the disease wants to keep us in disease and to block us from recovery. And so, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying, keep, keep with it, keep coming back. If you know, in your heart of hearts, um, then just stay open to the message and um, just step into action, step into faith, make that phone call and, and you will find the right person that knows your story and, and will walk this path with you. Um, and and I, I wish everybody recovery. I'm so grateful to be in here every day, work in the program, making progress, communicating with my fellows. Um, I'm grateful to all of you. Thank you so much, my path. Thank you, Laura. And we'll now have Sally A. Sally, please go ahead. Hello, can I be heard? Good morning. Good morning, Sally. Yep, go ahead. So much, Katie, and thank you, Ginger C. God bless. Um, that was very sweet. <laughs> um, I just wanted to share about the one part here in the reading about um, where it says, you fellows are somebody. I was once, but I'm a nobody now. And forgive me, I'm very emotional this morning. I got up at 4 o'clock this morning and meditated and... Um, I think my higher power, I, I sense more when it's in the middle of the night or very early in the dawn because it's so quiet, you know, and I feel all my feelings and I just cried all, all morning long because um, I too always felt like I was nobody and um, I didn't even feel like I was good enough to share on this line. Um, but you know what? With all of you hearing honestly and genuinely about this disease and how you really feel. And it's the first time in my life uh, joining the program that, you know, I was able to be honest and that I was able to hear people's honesty and it was beautiful. It was like, it was like a miracle for me. Um, my first sponsor, you know, was like an angel. It was the first human being I ever shared my, my, um, my disease and how my brain and how my thoughts were. And, you know, I was so ashamed of it. I was so ashamed of it, but I'm, I'm not ashamed of it anymore. And that's, that to me is one of the first promises and miracles for me in this program is to start to let go of the shame because that's what keeps me in my disease. You know, the, um, the program has helped uh, 
separate myself from the disease to see it that this is something I did for a long time. It was maladaptive. It was the only way I knew how to cope with with feelings in my life, but it's not the only way. And um, and it's uh, it's today that I, with the help of my higher power and all of you, that I know how to cope with my stuff in a healthier way and in a way that God wants me to do it. So with that, I pass. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thanks again, Ginger. Thank you, Sally. And it looks like we have time for like three two-minute shares. Um, if we can do that, who would like to share? Vasa O. Vasa. Carmela G. Carmela. Anybody else? Beverly R. And I got you, Beverly. Okay, so Vasa, Carmela, and Beverly are. Um, if you each take about two minutes, I think we will get everybody in. Good morning, Vasa. Thank you. Good morning, Kaden. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Please time me. And uh, I would like to welcome uh, the newcomers, and please keep coming. That's what I heard when I came to from to my first meeting. And my disease also told me I was nothing. I had nobody. I was nobody. I had nothing to offer. I, I, I did not know what I did not know, and I have learned it all here about the disease and my allergy. I had no clue about any of that stuff. I mean, yes, I, I could do other stuff. You know, I was successful in many, many areas, but when it came to the food, I could not put it down. And... Um, and I, it's that identification. Yes, I am one of you. And uh, the first, the couple paragraphs we, we 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 read yesterday, and I, you know, no matter how many times I told myself, maybe this is my last time. I, I this is the last I'm going to do. I, you know, this diet is going to work, or this. It's going to fix me. And none of it, none of it. It's not like I didn't try. I tried everything that was out there in the world. You know, the only thing I, and I didn't weigh a lot of weight because I could control it for a while, but it became very, very um, um, progressive for me. And I remember saying, well, maybe if I have the gastro done, you know, or many years ago, people had the jaws wired, and or go to a hypnotist, you know. And I, there was three things I was too afraid to try. But I remember saying, maybe this will be the solution to my problem. And none of that, and no human power could have made me abstinent, and not myself or anybody. And this was that. I remember hearing my sponsor, Savasa, you know, time, the, please. Thank you. Only a power greater than ourselves. And I found that power right here in the 12 steps. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. And we'll now have Carmela G. followed by Beverly R. Carmela, please go ahead. Thank you, Katie. Thank you for your service. Thank you all for your shares. This is Carmela G. from New York. Damn little to laugh about that I can see. That line got me because it reminded me of a week ago. I was asked to do service at a face-to-face meeting that I don't, it's not in my area and I had to travel to. And um, 
there were a lot of new people at the meeting, and as I shared, there was a young, beautiful woman sitting across from me, and she never stopped laughing. And she kept smiling and smiling, and I thought, wow, I don't know if I'm saying anything that's so funny, but I let it go, and I continued sharing. When it was when I completed the share and we opened up the floor, she raised her hand to share, and she said she could not admit she was a compulsive overeater. But one, when she heard what I spoke of and the words I said, all she could do was relate relate to all the feelings and all the experiences. And, you know, this book says we're going to be with people that are not like us. And this woman was definitely not like me. We came from different backgrounds, different religions, and she was so young and beautiful, and I'm a senior citizen. So the book knows these are our instructions And she smiled because she said it was the first time she heard someone say what she was feeling and living. And she was so grateful for that. That's why the laughter. So for all of us, we just have to be living examples every time. please. And thank you for allowing me to share. Thanks, Carmela. And Beverly R., we'll have you wrap us up with about a minute and a half. Please go ahead, Beverly. Hello, this is Beverly R. from Gatesburg, Maryland, Eastern Standard Time. And I have described myself as a chronic relapser. And it's like a pinprick of darkness when you see nothing else and you say, I don't care. I'm going to have it anyway. Uh, Or you say, oh, I'm going to have this thing. I just won't bite again another time. And, oh, my goodness, you just... And and when you're hearing the words talked about that, about about alcoholism and the nature of the disease, you're saying to yourself... Oh, no, I'm not like that. That's not me. I'm not like that. It's a disease of relapse, and it's a disease of denial. And we have to break through the the, 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 the denial because I know in my heart I'm a compulsive overeater. And before I began this program, I was eating all around the clock, right around the clock. With that, I pass. It's Beverly R. in Gatesburg, Maryland. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Beverly, and thank you to everyone. We are now at the close of our meeting. Thank you to everyone who shared today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Thursday, November 15, 2018, is 12186. That's 12186. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Hoodie R please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hoodie, please go ahead. 
Certainly. Thank you so much, Katie, for your service this morning. Wonderful meeting. My name is Hoodie R., a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.